Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Welcome back to the Summer Heat Wave presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with my brothers, Michael and Jason, and today we have a very, very interesting uh, episode for you. We've kind of built a reputation online for uh, our takes on one particular Bengals player. Which I've never been wrong. Today we are going to bring you the preview of the 2020 Cincinnati Bengals. So remember, we do this also during the week. We have a podcast, Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, um, uh, or if you're listening on podcast, you already know we have a podcast. But if you're watching on YouTube, twice a week, uh, every single fantasy player. Plus, if you want extras, go to Patreon.com/slash Brodo Fantasy to get an extra episode, to join our listener leagues, to possibly have a spot on our dynasty leagues um many 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 extras and perks there so let's get right let's get right into the offensive outlook for the cincinnati Bengals. our head coach zach taylor and offensive coordinator brian callahan Callahan, excuse me return for a second season looking to bring back a mcveigh offense to the Bengals that they tried to bring there last year but they just didn't have the talent or personnel to do so one thing that people are going to tell you about the Bengals is that they improved their offensive line this year but they didn't really make many big name moves besides drafting a guy and uh pff who is my trusted source for offensive line uh things and things of that nature second worst line in the nfl going into the season is what the Bengals are projected so those uh, talks in the fantasy industry, like, oh, yeah, they, they, they improved their offensive line, but never really telling you how, eh, 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 we'll see. Uh, questionable at best. So let's get first to the quarterback who's going to have to play behind that line, and that's Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow absolutely set the college world on fire last year, did things in college football that we have never seen before, including against a very NFL-type defense in Alabama in the national championship game, but he should not be on your team. Uh, He's on a bad team. He's a rookie. I don't want that guy. Um, I personally don't draft uh, rookie quarterbacks. Now, sometimes it works out. Um, Look at Kyler Murray last year, but other times it really comes to bite you in the ass. Like two years ago, when none of the rookies really performed up to their billing, except Baker Mayfield had a, a decent uh, year, but not starter every week type quality year for fantasy. Um, some positives, some negatives. Negatives, because of COVID and because of the, of the no preseason, less time to learn the offense, less time to get acquainted, playing behind a b- bad line. And also, the Jets have learned this too, when you have a guy who's only had one year of college production – no matter how productive, there are questions that come along with that. And he's only had one year of college production. Some of the positive, though, is he has great weapons. So with that being said, what are your guys' thoughts on Joe Burrow? Uh, I'm kind of going to echo a lot of what you just said. I do agree that I don't want Joe Burrow on my team this season. It took him four years to be a stud at LSU, and it was one of the best college seasons ever. But it still took him four years. Ever, though. So it still took him time to get acclimated to a college offense it's going to take him time to get acclimated to an nfl offense we all know andy dalton isn't the worst quarterback on earth but he went 2 and 11 last year 
with a team that looks very similar, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. The only addition on that offensive line is Jonah Williams, their left tackle, first-round pick from last year. But we're talking about a rookie who missed the entire season due to injury. And that's the main upgrade. As you said, PFF, 31st-ranked offensive line. Joe Burrow is going to be running for his life. And, yeah, he has some legs. He could run a little bit. But is he going to run as much as Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson did their rookie seasons? These are the only two guys who were really start-every-week type guys in their rookie season in the last few years. Murray had 544 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Russ had 489 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Do we expect Joe Burrow to put up 500 rushing yards and four touchdowns? I don't. No. And then the weapons, A.J. Green can still be A.J. Green. We really just don't know. He hasn't played in a long time, and he's a little older. They brought in T. Higgins, also a rookie. And you guys know how I feel about Joe Mixon. So I just don't think this offense is going to be exciting enough this season for Joe Burrow to be every week. I'm quarterback one. I'm not going to agree with you guys here for Burrow because he's going outside the top 12 ADP, right? And most people are drafting in one QB leagues. Why not? If you're going to take, say you wait, you don't get one of the top 10 QBs. Say you draft like a Ryan Tannehill or a, um, like a, who, who's someone, Rivers. like a Phillip Rivers or someone like that to be your quarterback. Why not take the upside shot on Joe Burrow? Keep him on your bench for the first couple of weeks and see if he could have a Kyler Murray-esque season where he could end as a top 10 quarterback, even if he's not even that good. Like Kyler Murray wasn't that good as an overall quarterback last year, but he with the passing volume though. and the rushing, yeah, who says Joe Burrow won't be able to do that with Zach Taylor at uh, as his coach? So I'm okay with taking an upside shot on Burrow in one QB leagues. I mean, it worked out with Lamar Jackson last season. It worked out with uh, I mean, Kyler Lamar Murray Jackson last, wasn't season. A rookie last season. I know he wasn't a rookie, but he was being drafted outside the top 12. And a lot of people were saying, I mean, I was one of them. I wasn't high on Lamar Jackson. Looking back at it, I think I was. it was very dumb of me not to be high on Lamar Jackson. So I don't want to make that mistake again. I'm not saying Burrow is going to be Lamar Jackson. But if you're in a 1QB league, why not take the upside shot on someone like Joe Burrow? And that's why we have three people on Brodo, because I was high on Lamar Jackson. And you can get different opinions, because I'm wrong. The Twins are wrong. But usually one of us is right. It was funny. So you he- loved Lamar Jackson. I was like, yeah, I want him as a quarterback. He's going to be a quarterback 8 through 12. And then Michael's like, I don't really want Lamar Jackson. We yeah. were like, <laughs> the whole spectrum. We gave you the whole spectrum. Um, you're not going to get the whole spectrum on this one. I, running back, let's go to running back. Okay, so before hmm. the Twins start shitting all over Joe Mixon's life, I'm going to tell you one thing. He's a great value if you can get him in the second round because he's going to get opportunity. The volume is going to be there. He passes. He catches passes. I just want to say that. Okay, he won't be on any of my teams because you're not going to be getting him in the second round. But if you can get him in the second round, good for you. Kudos for you. You should get him. With that being said, take it away. Yeah, his ADP is way too high. (laughs) Way too high, people. Like I tweeted yesterday that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a clear choice over Joe Mixon. Don't even like clear, clear as day. No way it's not true. And so much. So much conversation on Twitter just from that one tweet. Like, you talk about Joe Mixon and people come out of the woodworks. Someone was like, how do you say something like this? You're supposed to be... Uh, it was just... It was like it was like we personally attacked him or something. You're supposed to be open-minded. Yeah. Don't shoot people down. Yeah, Michael's I like, was like... Don't shoot people down. I always said C.H. Greater than Mixon. Yeah. Do you have an yeah. argument against it? Yeah, and I was then like, that I'd guy love was to silent. hear your side. And he didn't <laughs> respond. Listen, like, all right. We, we want to shoot you down if you have bad ideas. Yeah, that too. Yeah, fuck not shooting people down. Anyway, Joe Mixon. Everything I just said about Joe Burrow remains the same. 31st-ranked offensive line. Um, More weapons on the outside now. Probably not going to run as much. And a less experienced quarterback. Dude, 
Joe Mixon was a top 10 quarterback in the last running half back. of last season, running back. Before that, the first eight weeks, he was outside of the top 30. Where would Joe Mixon be going if that flipped? If he was a top 10 running back in the first eight and then outside the top 30 in the second. He'd eight. be a fourth rounder pick, I think. He'd be probably in the Connor Le'Veon Bell range. Yeah. Just because it's flipped the other way, people are taking him in the first round. And if you look at his numbers, not much changed. It was all based on volume. Literally completely volume. The first eight games of last season, he had 101 rushes. The last four, he had 95. Literally just the last. So he literally was getting double the work in the second half of the season. And that was the only reason for the uptick in points. Do we expect that giant volume to be there again? I don't. And even if it is, this is a guy who's never caught more than 300 receiving yards in his life. Yeah, that's that's on pace for 400 carries. He's not going to get 400 carries. He's not... He's not Derrick Henry. Yeah. And they probably they have a new toy quarterback who they're going to want to use. And they're probably going to be losing a lot. They're not a good offense. And he's never had more than 300 receiving yards. They're not a good defense. And they've never had, he's never had more than 300 receiving yards in his life. He's never had double-digit touchdowns in a season. Of running backs with 250 or more rushes last season, he's literally at the bottom or near the bottom in basically every metric. Anything you want to look at. Yards per carry, yards, touchdowns. Just say anything. Like, any statistic, the people getting as much volume as he is, he's near the bottom of that list. And don't, please don't tell me about juke rate. I was just going to say, what about there juke are, rate, bro? Right now, there are too many. Coming from a guy who created a statistic, true values, there are too many statistics out there right now. I understand the point of it. Also, juke rate, I think the top two in juke rate last year were Mark Ingram and Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Like, if Carlos Hyde is at the top and of the list. And then Tim pointed out the other day on Twitter, in like 2017 or 16 or something, the top people in Juke Rate were like Monty Ball, Trent Richardson. like Eddie, Ed, No, Eddie Lacy, um, CJ Anderson. Um, CJ Anderson, I said out. Monty Ball. <laughs> Dude, like, I get it. You're trying to find reasons to look at this guy. And it's enough with pure talent. How many years are we just going to look at Spark? Enough yeah. with fucking Spark. I also look at what they're doing on the field. You the look Spark, at these. Like Spark has its has its benefits. Like it should be like if he's doing well on the field and he's a good Spark athlete, that combination makes sense, right? If if he's a rookie and he's coming out, looking at a Spark athlete score makes sense because you want to you want to project him. Looking at a fourth year running back on Spark, there's enough tape to see what he's capable of and what he's not. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. That's it. Like. We've seen what he can do. People put up these Joe Mixon highlight videos, and honestly, it's just him running through a hole and then going down at the first tackler. It's not impressive at all. <laughs> like, like you said, if you can get Mixon in the second round, good for you. He's going to get work. He's going to put up numbers. But he does not have the upside. Right now, he's being drafted at his ceiling. He's being drafted as a guy who can potentially be a top five running back. He wasn't even that at the end of last season. He went sixth overall in my draft today. It's ridiculous. Yeah, someone I saw on Twitter who said, don't draft CEH in the first round. You're drafting an absolute ceiling. I've seen take Mixon at seventh overall. I was like, so what are you doing, really? Joe Mixon has underperformed ADP three years in a row. His only three years in the league. Last year, he was fifth in carries, third in goal line carries. What, you expect those numbers to like really skyrocket up? He had two touchdowns all of last season over 10 yards. Yeah, he caught 35 those passes. Those aren't going to carry over. He caught 35 passes the entire season. In 10 games, he had 20 receiving yards or less. He never surpassed 90 yards unless he saw 20 carries. Never surpassed 90 yards unless he saw 20 carries. 
That is a complete volume-based back. Three games last season, he had 30 yards, less than 30 yards total, receiving and rushing. And I know the improvements, and I know the new offense, but how much needs to go right for this guy to actually be worth a first-round pick? Not for nothing, too. Like, the people who say the improvements, they're, they're, it's kind of like what they're saying about about uh, the offensive line. Like, yeah, they got one, not rookie, but basically a rookie because he misses rookie season. They got one rookie coming in. They got a rookie quarterback. You cannot assume that these are upgrades. You can't, especially over Andy Dalton, who's a who's a, who's a decent quarterback. Dalton's like decent, you said, yeah. 16 and 14 last year. Now, he made mistakes. The Red Rock. Is, is he amazing? No, but he's mediocre. I listened to a podcast called Around the NFL, great podcast, and they, they you know, they call it the... They, they rank quarterbacks, and they call it the Dalton line. And the Dalton line is the quarterback right in the middle of the NFL. And I feel like that's how Andy Dalton has been. And it's not like Joe Mixon has been playing behind the shittiest team on earth. They were the shittiest team on earth last year, sure. But the two previous seasons, they were competitive teams with a competitive quarterback. And he still didn't produce. And not only that, if you look at the, the stats, Gio Bernard outproduces him when he plays. Gio Bernard's a better player. I'll always so, say that. So, I'm like, I, I don't know. Again, the volume is going to be there. So, we're not one of those people that are saying, don't draft Joe Mixon under any circumstance. But if the circumstances continue, don't draft Joe Mixon because drafting him in the first round is a mistake. I'm not For drafting me, him to, like, mid to late second, but he never falls there. So Never. And I, I every time I watch, every time we have a, a fantasy draft, either with my friends or professionals, the team that drafts Joe Mixon in the first round, year by year, I discount them. I'm like, okay, that's one team I don't have to worry about. <laughs> I, it's it's true because last year Joe Mixon crippled your team so hard in the first half you had no chance yeah. you had no shot the only way that you had Joe Mixon on your team last year uh, and you made it far was if you traded for him for an uptick which kudos to you you did a great job or, or drafted someone, tremendously or drafted tremendously yeah or if someone actually dropped him because he was a droppable player at certain points last year like he had duds single digit low under five yards five points a game duds so uh, i don't know i I cannot first of all you you draft drafting any player on a terrible team to be your first player is always a risk that's why uh that's in general second one that needs 20 carries to get 90 yards is a much bigger risk so you know that's our joe mixon that's our joe mixon spiel with that being said, though, don't come at us if Joe Mixon has an all right season and be like, oh, well, you guys hate. We say get him in the second round if you can. Volume-based, he's going to be a good player. That's how fantasy works. But you're not going to get him because he's going to be a first-round pick, and the team who drafts him is going to suck. Period. There's really no there's really no other way you could put it. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, now we've gotten past Joe Mixon. We got that off our chest. Let's get to the other wide receivers and weapons. A.J. Green, when he's healthy, he's one of the best. There's no doubting it. Since after his work rookie season, he has been a wide receiver one every year. He's played 16 games. That's been four years. When he missed a couple games, he was a wide receiver two, right on the precipice of wide receiver one. But he did have a rapport with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, as we said earlier in this episode, is not that type of dude that is like, oh, we got rid of him, so it's going to be a giant upgrade right off the bat because he had quality seasons as a Bengal. Right now, though, being drafted as wide receiver 28. So although he's not being drafted as a top receiver, he is being drafted in the starting slot. In a starting slot, what do you make of this? Is this something that you are taking a chance on with AJ Green? So AJ Green, I don't think anyone 
says he doesn't have the talent, right? It's all about the health. And that's what's scary with AJ Green because he's now 32. Look, he played nine games in 2018, missed all of 2019. Prior to that, he played a full season in 2017. But then in 2016, he only played 10 games. So this is a guy who gets injured often and really it's it's devastating to a team who spends a high round pick on him. Luckily this season, if you're drafting AJ Green, it's not a high round pick. But since 2015, because of injuries, he's had one season with over 1,000 yards. There have been 50 cases of age 32 players or older topping 1,000 yards since 2000. So it's not impossible, especially if it's a caliber level of AJ Green. I think he has he's still skilled enough to put up a year like that. But it's all about the health. In all every season where he's played at least 10 games, he's put up at least 115 targets, at least 1,000 yards. So everything says AJ Green is a monster. One healthy. He should continue to be a monster even though he's 32. But is he going to stay healthy? Or are you wasting a 6th or 7th round pick? Maybe even 8th round depending how how many running backs are going early in the draft and QBs and things of that sort. At ADP of wide receiver 28, so far in like 5 to 10 drafts. I don't know why I said 5. I've done like 10 or so drafts. He... I don't have any A.J. Green shares, and I don't hate it. I'm not upset about it because around him are guys like Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, uh, Kareem Hunt, guys like that, Cam Akers even. I got in like the sixth round of my Razzbowl. Uh I could have drafted A.J. Green, but I'd, I'd prefer Cam Akers there, the upside shot. So, I mean, I don't hate it if you take the shot on A.J. Green. I think it's a fair risk at his current ADP. I just feel like you can end up getting someone who's good for a couple games, and then there you go, you lost your... You lost your starting wide receiver, and I got hit the waiver wire the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to Tyler Boyd, someone that we at Brodo like very much as a player, but rookies, rookie quarterback, but rookies do tend to look for slot guys. He was really up and down last season. I remember I, I drafted him in the fourth round last season, expecting a big year with Andy Dalton. When Andy Dalton got benched, uh, basically Tyler Boyd was extremely hit or miss uh, for the rest of the season. Tyler Boyd's a tough one because I feel like his talent is better than his opportunity in the team around him. Um, How do you guys feel about Tyler Boyd this year? So Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 22 last season overall, 29th in points per game. So worse, he just had higher volume. But this comes after ending as wide receiver 15 in 2018. Like I think people forget how good he was in 2018 with Andy Dalton at QB. Very quietly. And he played half his games with a healthy A.J. Green. And guess what? He was better when A.J. Green was on the field. When A.J. Green... as that slot guy, sorry for cutting you up, but as that slot guy, he needs a guy on the outside to take that to take that attention away. Exactly. AJ Green was on the field drawing the opposing best defender, and Tyler Boyd was able to operate out of the slot. Now the the Bengals, like we discussed with Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, and they should be a better offense. It's a second year with Zach Taylor. They do get Jonah Williams back. They do have Joe Burrow, who just had literally the best college quarterback season ever. We'll see how he acclimates to the NFL, but is coming off a pretty great year. Tyler Boyd was signed to a four-year, $43 million contract last offseason. Someone they're tied to, someone they liked long-term and wanted to keep him around. Joe Burrow just dominated college football with Justin Jefferson out of the slot. Got Justin Jefferson to be a top 25 pick in the draft this year as well because of his dominance out of the slot. Tyler Boyd's coming out of the slot. He's going as wide receiver 33, which he was even better than that in points per game last season with Ryan Finley, Andy Dalton, and the worst offensive line in the league. So at wide receiver 33, I'm buying Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue it with just, that. It's just straight value there. Yeah. yeah, and you can't pass up straight value. 
See, we don't dislike all the Bengals, just Joe Mixon. Um, Auden Tate, T. Higgins, Alex Erickson. John Ross. John Ross. So T. Names. T. Higgins has an ADP of wide receiver 65. He's coming off two solid years at Clemson, but, I mean, he's he's coming out as a 21-year-old receiver. Like, he didn't play his uh, – he's an underclassman. He didn't play his senior year there. John Ross was a successful deep threat last season for the Bengals when healthy, and that's what T. Higgins was, a deep threat. He had the third most receiving yards on deep targets among the Power 5 receivers last season. So the question for me is, are there too many mouths to feed for T. Higgins to be a helpful contributor for the Bengals? And for me, it's yes, especially with the way – John Ross was able to extend the field when healthy last season, looking like he's going to be healthy this season, only 21 years old, not uh, coming out as an underclassman. So for now, I'm just I'm keeping T. Higgins off my radar. Maybe during the season, if there's an injury to A.J. Green or if uh, he starts getting more acclimated in the offense, then we'll take a look at him again. But for now, I'm not, I'm not targeting him. There's a lot more rookie wide receivers I think are in better spots than T. Higgins is. I think Auden Tate. Is just underrated as a player. I liked him a lot last year. Tate was good when he got the chance. Former UDFA. Um, Tight end. CJ Uzuma. Nah. CJ Uzuma had four useful fantasy games last season. They did draft Drew Sample last year, but he's more of a uh, pass-blocking tight end than a pass-catching tight end. So Uzuma is probably still going to be their main pass-catcher. But, I mean, he had four useful fantasy games, unless it's like a best ball league where you're taking him in the 28th round or something he's there's no point of really owning Uzuma even in like 16 team tight end leagues there's so many more players with more upside basically (laughs) let's go let's go over to our one injury away column I'm going Gio Bernard because if Joe Mixon goes down Gio Bernard has historically been better as a starting running back than Joe Mixon. And now Gio Bernard has his own injury concerns and his own injury history in his past, which is why he's never got the opportunity to be that guy. But also, a couple years ago, I started Gio Bernard having a standalone fantasy value. He would score like 10 points a game for a a little stretch. I started him for a little stretch in my flex spot um, during my championship run a couple years ago. So uh, I I just have always been a Gio Bernard fan, um, and I think that if he gets the opportunity, he'll excel. Uh, I'm I'm going with T. Higgins because if A.J. Green goes down, he could get a spot on the outside. I had the same guy, T. Higgins. And Gio, obviously. Uh, like, those are the two guys. Next time, we will be going over the AFC North champion, the Ravens. Uh, Michael, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Mike. At BrotoFF Jason. And you can find me at BrotoFF Tim. See what we did, did there? Find us all at BrotoFantasy on Twitter. Find us at BrotoFantasy.com. Don't forget, if you want to join one of our listener leagues, do you have problems being in a league where people suck and don't pay attention and don't know nearly as much as you, Yeesh. and it's not that competitive, and Yeesh. it's not as fun, Yeesh. come over to us. We have competitive people who know what the hell they're talking about. Come be in our leagues uh, for as little as $5 a month on Patreon. You could be in one of those leagues. Um, yeah, so that is all. Uh, stay tuned next week again for the Ravens. Until next time. Later. Peace. Later.